He also said that every generation needs a revolution, Jimmy. The American dream is just that. Just a dream. War is a continuation of politics. Only by other means. Politics is a continuation of economics by other means. This is our bank. This is our war. And this is our plan of attack. Banks have become an essential threat to our democracy. So consider this justice. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported radio station on the Internet. Please help support this station so this battle can continue forward. Revolution Radio! The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host. Aloha, everybody, and welcome to Stargate to the Cosmos on Revolution Radio at revolution.radio. And I'm your host, Janet Kierlesson, with my co-host, Dr. Sasha Lesson, and our other co-host, Kevin Estrella. And today we are going to have on our show Sue Walker, and we're going to discuss uh, Sue Walker's contact with the Sandia uh, Gray. ETs in Sandia Mountains, New Mexico. Um, go to AquarianRadio.com. You'll see that they have a Twitter account. <laughs> the Greys are Twittering, and we have some pictures up there, artist renditions of what these Grey aliens look like, and they are very cute. <laughs> and they have personalities. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about Sue. People around the world seek the psychic and medical intuitive advice of Sue Walker. She is an internationally known psychic and medical intuitive. For over 20 years, she has assisted individuals and CEOs of businesses, physicians, actors, and law enforcement agencies. Her psychic readings and medical intuitive readings are sought out for their high levels of accuracy and detail. She's frequently asked to investigate hauntings or paranormal activity. She's been featured in various publications, television documentaries, and radio appearances. Sue also conducts training seminars during the week because she desires to educate the public about various forms of psychic phenomena, improving psychic skills, and exploring remote viewing, scrying, I don't know what scrying is, I'll ask her, or energy projection. Uh, so yes, she has a website, which I'm sorry, I don't have it here right now. I'll get that on her page on AquariumRadio.com. And um, I'll have that link for you momentarily if I forgot it. <laughs> uh, we're also joined today by Kevin Estrella. So let's see if the gang is all here. Let's start with Sasha. Are you there? Yes, I, I'm Sasha? here, and uh, uh, there are. Are you hearing me, Janet? I'm here. I can hear can you. Hear you. Me? Yes. 
Oh, that's yes. that's wonderful. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, basically, anyone that cares to examine the evidence you know, from many sources know that there are many different uh, types of ETs that are here. Most of them benevolent uh, or at least neutral, but uh, and certainly the Zeta Grays have been our. Uh, uh, allies trying to help us through the transition with uh, wonderful hybrids that are, are here and the awakening of ambassadors uh, who are um, uh, dual souls and so forth. And so it's really a wonderful when we start to get uh, people who are in direct contact with uh, the extraterrestrials who are here to help us. So I'm really excited about today's program. Yes, we're going to have a really good time. Uh, Kevin. Hello. Welcome. Aloha. Good evening. Aloha. How is it where you are? How's the weather? Well, as, as we say here in Canada, how's it going, eh? How's it going, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're down here in chilly Maui, Hawaii, because it's been in the 60s. <laughs> and I wanted to warm up. It's spring. Come on, let's get on with it. <laughs> but you're up there in Canada. What's your weather like? Um, it's still cold. It's still cold. Uh, there's still some snow on the ground, a little bit. Oh, yeah. Well, let's let's uh, let's support the visualization of warm weather coming our yes. way. Yes. So, how is it? Aloha. Can you hear us Hi. all right? Yeah. Right. Hi, Sue. Hi. You have a double header tonight. Uh, Reverend White Otter is sitting right next to me, Yay. and uh, oh. he's here to kibitz with us as well. Good oh, evening. Oh, good. We like to kibitz. Good evening, Reverend White Otter. Let me add that to the show. And and Reverend White Otter, please send me your information at AquarianRadio at Gmail. I'll add you to the web page. Okay. Excellent. Okay, so who wants to start talking first? Sue, do you want to tell us about yourself? Well, all right. Um, Reverend White Otter and I are married, and we live in a suburb of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And while it sounds incredible, we've been in contact with a group of extraterrestrials that reside and work from a long-standing, very old facility beneath the Sandia Mountain, which lies along the eastern edge of the Albuquerque metropolitan area. This group so of extraterrestrials started to talk to us in 2013, and we started to learn from them. And uh, then they began to teach us things. And so uh, White Otter and I both hear them. Uh, we both kibitz with them on a regular daily basis. And, do they speak uh, English? What, how, yeah, when, how do they speak? Do they have an accent? It's telepathic communication. When we hear them, it's not only in words. It's emotions, it's images, it's uh, maps, it's three-dimensional stuff, and it's all coming in uh, telepathic uh, chunks of information. And they asked us uh, back in 
2015, I believe it was, yeah, to open a social media account. And uh, that's how, uh, at their request, I knew nothing about Twitter at the time. Had to have somebody walk me through setting things up and started listening to uh, the gentleman that first introduced himself to me from Zeta Reticuli 2. His name is Tilcom. And so Commander Tilcom asked for a Twitter account to be open and he began sharing information on Twitter and then slowly but steadily so, allowed more members of his team to have a voice. So how did he know about Twitter? As far as I know, one of the other crew members, uh, one of his other staff, who uh, whose real name is Rahaz, and we've nicknamed him Radar. Uh, Radar had the assignment when he arrived here of studying Earth's media, movies, um, uh, documentaries, uh, books, if, if it had extraterrestrial or ET content, what Tilcom wanted Radar to study was what Earth humans gleaned about them and other star nations from that media. And so it was Radar who explained to Tilcom, there's this free thing where you can talk to people all over the world and share information. It's called Twitter. <laughs> Honestly, oh. that's how it worked. Yeah. They, they talked about wow. they talked about Twitter, and so Radar was the one who taught Tilcom. Does it go two ways? Can uh, you let them know how you feel about your kids in your life and your and your community and stuff? Can you chunk oh, information absolutely. back to them? Yes, most definitely. Far out. So what no. did he glean from all of our media? Because, you know, I, I kind of cringe when you think about it. It's like, my God, you must think we're a bunch of idiots. Oh, God, that's, um, a, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't believe the comments that Radar makes all the oh, time. Oh, Radar movie oftentimes will mix quotes from different movies in different genres and come up with the strangest blends of famous <laughs> quote snippets. But what do they think of us? Um, they know that we are being prepared to get ready to meet. That part seems obvious to them. They mm -hmm. also know that there is a mixture of portrayal of positive and right-minded or extremely negative and attacking and uh, greedy or uh, violent in Star Nation's mm -hmm. portrayals mm -hmm. in movies and television and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so they are very aware that they are walking into this with essentially one very large PR problem. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, what about all the contacts they've been having? Uh, yeah. Let me just say this and then we'll pass them talking stick around because we all have questions. We're all so excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Uh, okay, so I am a lifelong contactee. I've been having experiences since the crib. Um, I've been interacting with the, the Grays 
I'll just call it raise to shorten it. Um, since you know, really small, but other other species as well. Mm-hmm. So, what about all of us contactees? Um, are we helping them get a, a grasp about what's really going on with the people that are, you know, because a lot of our information gets um, hijacked and twisted and manipulated, and mm-hmm. there's an agenda out there to paint us, and you know, we're kind of like. Um, uh, just subject to what's being thrown at us and we're not in the loop we don't have the full truth so what do they think about that because I know I get a different impression I have I always have positive experiences like mine are really pleasant and uh, I love everybody in the cosmos but you know yeah go ahead somebody answer that <laughs> pass it on well I guess uh, where does where to start with your question um I yes. have and Otter has had, for the vast majority of our lives, a plethora of star nations, plural, interacting with both of us. And for him, he clearly remembers it starting, what, at age 10, Otter? Yeah, 9, 10, somewhere in that point. Okay. Uh, that's when I first got dropped back in bed. Right. Right. And you, over the course of the last 50 years plus, then have interacted with what, how many star nations would you say? Two dozen. Yeah. Somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, that sounds about how right. How many? Say, two, two dozen. Say that again? Two dozen star nations. Okay. So what is a star nation? Define a star nation. Yeah, what is a star nation? What uh, I've come to understand is any humanoid species of extraterrestrial beings that uh, do not reside as permanent individuals here on this planet like we do. Okay. Uh, Are some, um, do they have some kind of colonies here, bases, you know, permanent? Um, many generations, like I heard about the tall whites in um, the child halt mm-hmm. uh, He says mm-hmm. that they they have children that are born here and you know, mm-hmm. brought here, live here. That's correct. Do other species have a facility, similar facilities? Correct. Yeah, go ahead. As far as we have been told, the tall white, or or what we say as the schlan, and we spell it X L N. And sometimes when we hear it, it sounds like echelon, like that hierarchical word. Uh And other times we hear it from them, it sounds more like a J sound, like jlan. And so Uh we're trying to understand what we're being told there. And that's also part of the reason why the XLN spelling. But the jlan or the tall white individuals from that Zeta Reticuli area... Um, we've been told have a facility beneath Mont Blanc mm-hmm. in France. Um, we also know that there is another facility down in New uh, the. I don't know if it's New Zealand or Australia now. There is an mm-hmm. underwater facility not far off the coastline there that is a multi-nation facility for underwater study and interaction. I can also tell you that here in New Mexico, 
we have under uh, long, long standing complexes dotted all over the landscape. And we know of uh, Zeta reticuli complexes, Sauron complexes, uh, multi-dimensional nation complexes. Um, uh, trying to think of any of the other ones. We, we also know of established traditional communication points and uh, what they have come to call, uh, I have come to call, because it's the best translation I've come up with, is public portals, areas where mm. anybody can kind of come and go. It's common airspace. It's not a claimed or private portal, maybe, for a private nation's complex. It's kind of like if it's public airspace, they've indicated some of those locations where you and see a lot of activity of all kinds of different ships. You were mentioning and, about Skinwalker Ranch being one of them. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. Correct. Correct. There's a public portal not very far from that facility. Oh, yeah, and the one in Italy, the friendship group who moved to Chile. I don't know about that. Tell me about that, Sasha. Well, there's, there's, there was a, almost a, 120 Italians got along with these guys. Mm -hmm. uh, they, uh, and what they said they do is they, they make little portals. Their thing is on a base underneath the sea, uh, right off uh, this uh, northern Italian on the Adriatic. And uh, they, uh, they open up the earth. They make their chamber. It seals up. And there's some mm -hmm. that they leave. And so they, they, they would had, but they somehow were dependent on us for uh, fruit. They, got, they used to bring truckloads of fruit. And they sort of made Ita uh, Italian money manifest. You know, it takes a lot of liras to do stuff. Yeah. They got the truck. <laughs> <laughs> the truck driver would come in and have a beer. And by the time he'd come back out, his truck was clean and didn't ask questions. Anyway, so then the same group, they call themselves a friendship group. Uh, they, uh, they they contacted these these people and had them fix their boat in uh, Chile. The, the people were having some radiation problems, and they they helped cure that. And they established it. And they're called the friendship group. And they talk about the same kind of uh, portals, your places, bases mm -hmm. where people from all different uh, extraterrestrial groups can come. And there's there there's and the ones in it, in Italy. There was like this totally full-grown adult three-foot person and a totally full-grown adult the leader of it was like 12 feet but mm -hmm. they're both total adult uh, uh, human beings anyway so that's what that's that's that group i have a little thing about it on my website enki speak i i'll i'd love to see that sasha i will look at that um we know that cool. there is an umo facility uh, somewhere right on the borderline between France and Spain. The UMO um, are known in Europe like the Zetas are, the Zeta nations are known here um, mm -hmm. in North America. And so the UMO have been sharing scientific knowledge via letters that spontaneously show up at scientists' houses or facilities describing. Um, their understanding of the science of the universe. So we're aware of those kind of facilities too. Uh, we do know about some of the facilities in Japan and we're starting to understand 
where some of the under uh, underwater facilities are, and there's a lot of them. So uh, some of these are common, as in joint nation, and some of these are exclusive, as in, no, we need this atmosphere and we need this kind of, of uh, facility environment. and environment, so this is just for us, this star nation. Mm-hmm. And okay, I'm going to correct Otter. Go ahead. What about the ones in Sandia? What do they really need? Oh, <laughs> they filter our air and they, they uh, remove some of the nitrogen. I know that. They clean up the oxygen. And I don't know how to say this, but they aliven it. I don't know a good translation for that, except that they... Ins- ionization. Yeah. Make it so that the atmosphere is more usable for yes, them. We know okay, mm-hmm. all right. Maybe that's the best explanation. Yeah, no, anyone that lives by the sea or next to a river knows just what you mean. Okay, yes, that's the aliveness yeah. that they're talking about is, is that you breathe it in and there's some water molecules, but those water molecules also have that alive feel to them. Sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm, cool. So, what else do you want wow. to do? Well, 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 Janet just got to about her underwater base, too, because she was, she spent some time with, okay. in an underwater I Do you know anything about uh, the underwater base under Johnston Atoll? It's in the Pacific 800 to... miles southwest. Go ahead. Yeah, it's just south, uh, southwest of Hawaii. You would have to, can you, can you contact them right now while we're talking and ask questions? What do you want to know? Um, about the underwater base at Johnson Atoll. What What do you want to know about it? Which species? Is the dragon still there? And what is her? What does she want to tell us? Is the dragon still there? And what does she want to tell us? Okay, so I can't translate for the dragon because she's not within okay. the Sandia complex. All right, that's. You're going to have to talk. Oh, there's grazer. Yes, that is correct. But Uh you've got a combination of things there because you've got interaction with some of the aquatic Zeta nations. Yes. Okay. As well as other aquatic nations that appear more humanoid or human looking within part of their uh, torso, face hand structures okay but that are not zeta as well as land or terrestrial zetas as well as other nations interacting with some of the aquatic nations off of that coastline does that make sense yeah the main people under there were anunnaki uh guarding the uh, the, the dragon Great, gigantic. Uh, well, there's, there's also a portal there too, but yes, they were correct. interacting with uh, the three different sizes of uh, grays. One, the tallest was like a gray mantis hybrid kind of looking thing. Oh, sure, right. Uh, and right. humans, and and then the they took me down into lower, you know, into the facility. We went down quite a ways, and there was a uh, a doorway, kind of a, a shielded area. Uh, there was a, a wall 
and then the the wall came down, kind of dissolved electrically, and then mm -hmm. behind it was this um, dragon. And so I mm -hmm. was used as a communicator. It was like I was okay. the central portal of a, of a computer hub, and somehow I was able to translate for everybody. So I'm, I must be some kind of translator in my highest essence. So I was uh, translating all this stuff for uh, for the people that were gathered here. So amazing, the, the human is, species. Yeah, that's just amazing. <laughs> Nice. Boy, no. Thank you. That's one of those life experiences you would remember with extreme clarity. I, I've had those, and, and they're, every one of them, every one of them sticks with you. I want a dragon after oh, yeah. to see. What's that? You want a dragon I want, I want, what? I want a dragon after official first contact. Oh, oh okay. Well, let's uh, make it happen. Yeah. So let's see, uh, Kevin, do you have any questions or comments? I, I tend to monopolize things. You have to just, you know, raise your hand and interject. <laughs> oh, one, I was just kind of trying to clarify when we're talking about the tall whites. Are we talking about, um, are we talking about tall white Zetas? Or are we talking about tall whites like Dee Dee? When you were just um, talking. A very Charles? good question. Yeah, good question. You got it. You got it. And to be very honest, Kevin, I don't have a clear answer for you on that yet. We're still learning what what nation we're talking about and how very many different ways that nation can appear to us. So let me give you a for instance. If I've got a tall white schlan person and they have no hair on their head and their head is much larger, Versus if I have someone like Dee Dee who appears as a tall white and manifests often as the tall whites do with a, a blue aura of light around them, but she has this flowing, gorgeous, silver white hair. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's, here's where the analogy comes to human beings. I have long silvery white hair do you no do any of you so you look different than me even though you're the same species as me right okay so i'm still learning because we're still getting images and being introduced to various people who who falls into that cultural category and I don't even know if I can call them a culture from a single planet or if it's a grouping of star nations who have explored many places in the galaxy and occupy worlds all over, but collectively they're called the Shlan. I don't know yet. So we're still waiting all kinds of clarification and learning every day. Yeah. Oh. I totally relate to that uh, um, from the other people I've been studying, like uh, Sherry Wilde. She talks about her uh, Zeta Gray saying, well, I'm, I'm not just from a particular place. I'm a traveler and a learner throughout the galaxies. And you're seeing me in uh, this form, this Zeta Gray form, because this is very convenient for the work we're doing here. Yes. Yeah, okay. Da. That's right. Okay. Da is it's like I like this body. It, it's, it's, it, it's function. <laughs> it works. It functions well. That's what. He, that's what he said. Yeah, I remember her saying. I remember as Sherry saying, "Why don't you like just show up like a human one day? You know, like 
you know, like, and he said, have you ever looked in the mirror? Have you seen how big your teeth are? (laughs) Wow. That's a great line. It's like, who's scarier, you know? (laughs) That's a great line. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh, we've had all kinds. Yeah, we've had all kinds of fun here in the last month plus, because uh, starting in January, the Sandia facility began to get more trainees coming in because 2018 is the year of increased soft in-person contact. And that's one of the reasons that they put out the Telepathy 101 primer. That's, if you haven't, uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, one of our Zeta uh, friends, uh, Tini, or Tini, um, Tini last year helped dictate to us uh, 285. This is the basics of how you get started working on your telepathy so you can hear us and we can hear you and you're not scared when we talk with each other, okay? That was the whole basis of putting out the primer for free. So you can go to Official First Contact and download it in at least 10 languages right now and we've got three more languages translating in the pipeline. Um, So Sue, let me ask you a question on that. Yeah, go ahead. If you don't mind. Sure. Uh, so uh, I was talking with, um, uh, what's his name that just passed last year? Uh, uh, selected by extraterrestrials. What was his name? How do you help Tompkins, Jim. Uh, Bill Tompkins, yes. Tompkins, yes. And so Tompkins was telling me that he was so excited. He says, I can I can talk to them. They can hear me. Um, and he was looking at me because there's something about you too. And I said, yeah, I, I'm able to, you know, um, talk telepathically with them too. So he noticed something about me, or you know, was something on a on an energetic level or spiritual level, and so he was very excited. Like, oh, you can talk to them too. You can talk to them. I go, yeah. So um, is that something that we all have the ability? Have uh, has that uh, been switched off? That ability to be telepathic, mm-hmm. um, so that we, we have, I guess, privacy. Because if we hear every thoughts, we're going to go crazy. Or that know, was a question I wanted to ask. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Well, the honest answer is all of us have the hardware. We have everything we need within us to reconnect in a much, much, much stronger way than we are now in our culture, telepathically. And you see it in children, right? You see it in kids under the age of five. And you see it... uh, before it's trained out of them. Mm-hmm. Because they aren't validated. They might see and hear something. And if mommy doesn't see or hear it, she says, well, no one is there and and I didn't hear anything. And so the child learns that their telepathy is not right. And so they drop it. Now we're teaching with Teeny's help to have people pick it back up because it is one of the primary communication methods in this galaxy. And we're about ready to leave our planet and go explore. And they want us to be able to communicate and know how and know the protocol and know the different nations. So all of that 
all of that is the reason that the primer got put out. So what does one do if they can't um, communicate? What's the step one? How do they open that well, up the Haley frequencies? <laughs> how do you, so how do you increase your telepathic skill set? First of all, yes. you take the woo-woo factor straight out of it. This is a skill like any other skill you're going to learn. It takes practice and feedback. Your brain has to understand what and get a validation for what it feels right, like to be right. Okay, that's the learning process. Just like if I went to Kevin and said, teach me to play the guitar, he would send me home with a practice book and say, all right, I'd like you to practice X number of minutes every day. And then a week from now, come back and we'll we'll see how you've um, increased your skill set and we'll we'll give you the next step. All right. This is no different. So the first step is to move, be aware of when you are naturally receptive. There's five times every day where without doing a doggone thing, you are naturally telepathically more receptive. And that's those are the time frames when you get closest or enter into alpha state as far as your brainwave activity. When you do that, you do it as you're waking up in the morning transitioning from sleep into waking consciousness. You do it uh, usually a couple hours after you've been up and doing stuff mid-morning, about that time where you feel like you need another cup of coffee to, you know, jolt yourself back up. You do it mid-afternoon after you've had lunch and have the that mid-afternoon slows. You do it mid-evening after you've had supper. And then you do it as you're going to sleep. Every single one of those times, you are more telepathically, naturally receptive because you're closer to that alpha state. Your body naturally does that rhythm. So now the telepathy primer says, all right, let's take that concept. Now proactively put yourself into more alpha state and learn to control how fast you get there, how deep, so that you can, in a heartbeat, at the click, or the tip of your fingers, get yourself into that receptive state so that you can communicate instantly. Well, Sue, how do you and Otter are able to to tap into it at any point? Like, are you in alpha state all the time? Um, Otter? <laughs> all right, so the honest answer is, go ahead, Otter. What? You so? want to learn how to practice the conscious contact. That you're conscious, consciously aware of the fact that you're in contact with other beings telepathically 24-7, 365. We call it walking with a foot in each world. Meaning you got one foot in the physical world. One foot where you, you got to pay your bills, you got to do the dishes, you got to deal with the kids. And then the other foot staying connected with the entire collective consciousness, knowing that there's an unseen world beyond our vision, beyond our visual perspective, ability to see, out there interacting all the time. And if you choose to, you can stay connected with those interactions and have it work with you. 
instead of just ignoring it. So that's conscious contact. So is it technically we are in alpha state all the time? I would say now we have technically learned to stay plugged in all the time, even shifting in and out of alpha. So we've brought it from only being able to do it in alpha to being able to do it in beta as we go about our regular daily activities. Does that make sense now? I think Working so, this, yeah. walking the spiritual path with practical feet. Correct. Absolutely, Sasha. That's absolutely right. Well, that makes sense. That makes absolute sense. I have a lot of work to do. I've got I, a lot of work to do. I, I, <laughs> well, I, I've had that awareness, but I don't have total. But now, now that the, you know, mine is just permission. The, the yes. real, you know, the realization that this is possible. So now that I know that, right, right. If you know it's possible, probably change. Then- the, the, what you want to do is very slowly but steadily increase the amount of time per day that you can walk connected. Maybe today it's five minutes. Okay. Well, maybe tomorrow it's six. Maybe next year it's three hours. Didn't We, we did not develop this ability to stay connected 24-7 overnight or even in a year. Honest, we didn't. In 35 years for me. <laughs> Took a lot of practice. <laughs> Otter has a, a, been a practicing shaman for 35 years. Mm-hmm. And so he studied all kinds of things from all over the world and has stories you wouldn't believe. But when he says there's 35 years of practice, that's exactly what he's talking about. And he's not 35 years old, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the Jaguar right, story right. just still amazes me. Yeah. Do you want to sh- explain the Jaguar story? That's so, that's only for Otter if if it's like, it might be that might be kind of confidential. I don't know. They're asking if you want to tell the Jaguar story. What story? The Jaguar story. Oh. Y'all are familiar with Peru, I take it. Uh, yes. About uh, 10 years ago, I was wrestling with the concept of the sacred feminine and trying to understand its connection to me. So I chose to take a trip to Peru and meet with an indigenous shaman for two and a half weeks. During that time, went through several ceremonies and uh, ingestions of native herbs. Mm-hmm. And on one of, the, uh, one of those days, we were uh, taking a tour of the uh, piece of property that uh, this retreat center was on. In the jungle. In the jungle, right off the Amazon. Lots of vines, and, uh, lots of green, lots of bugs. While we're walking around that uh, property and talking and discussing plant materials and indigenous plant herbs. Uh, I chose to walk past the group and walk down this trail. There was a tree growing in the middle of the trail and uh, walked past it. 
something said, no, step back and lean up against the tree. So this was just about twilight in the evening. And I'm looking down this trail, and it's downhill from where I'm at to a little ravine and then comes back up to another knoll. Coming down the trail, I see something moving kind of fast towards me. And uh, it turned out to be that as they turned the corner and came across the ravine, I could see three jaguars, a male being followed by two females. As they kept bounding up this trail, it was like, stand still, they'll go right past you. And I stood there for a minute, and the male jaguar hit the ground in front of me and jumped right up into my chest. Whoa! The female jaguar behind him hits the ground in front of me and jumps into my chest. The third jaguar, another female, hits the ground in front of me and jumps into my chest, and the male jumps out. I walked away with a double dose of sacred feminine that night. The jaguars merged with him. They yeah. did, and the jaguar is now in a tattoo on his chest over his heart. Wow. This man understands the sacred feminine coming from a battlefield warrior from the Vietnam era and being an alpha male man's man in a world growing up where he had to be tough. Chose 10 years ago to go and try to understand what he considered a missing piece of himself. There was something that he saw that other people were getting that he wasn't. And so he went to the most sacred man he knew and said, please help me. And now that has allowed him to connect telepathically deeper, faster, stronger to the collective consciousness and all these star nations because he chose to find and seek a way to reach that deeper level of emotional honesty and in touch with how the sacred feminine is vital, vital to our understanding. Uh, you, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's Sophia uh, songwriter says something, maybe warriors find peace within so the healing of the earth can begin. And uh, you've done that, Rev. Thank you. My pleasure. I think I have a lot of feminine energies, I always, and I always have. And it's it's been very strange, but I've always felt like I've had more feminine energy in my relationships than the women I've ever been with. Um, it's it's kind of hard to explain, but I, in a lot of ways now, I feel like a self a self contained entity of entity of of balanced male and female. There you go. I, I would agree with that, Kevin. I think you are are finding that blending that balance is becoming easier and stronger as your tele telepathy increases and as your interactions have increased. Look at the growth that, that's happened just in the last six months within your life. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. So... And that, yeah. that's, 
side effect of individuals around the world who have started practicing their, their telepathic contact with each other and forming telepathy groups in, in their country and practicing with each other locally. Those people, we have messages from people all over the world that they find that their spiritual depth is increasing in ways that they did not expect and their skill sets in other areas in their life are becoming much easier. They, they're, they're finding doors opening for them and their growth rate that's what they say. That's the common factor that we're hearing. Their internal growth rate has exploded. Yeah. I can see a program makes allows people to empathize with each other and, and to get beyond their uh, self, their separation. It's just beautiful. I love it. It, it was designed by Teeny to speak beyond religions, beyond mm-hmm. cultures, beyond bound borders, and she tried very hard to understand the, the phrasing that we needed to use mm-hmm. to be understood by Earth humans so that the appeal and the, and the language and, and the interaction, one, was her personality, but two, also was universal in its understanding across culture here on this planet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I'd like to address that. I think that's, I mean, from what I get from my information in Davos, is that this separation of masculine and feminine was part of the original polarity of that uh, when we balance ourselves with our inner and outer masculine and feminine, we return to unity consciousness and oneness and we heal the wounds of all creation. So um, that's what I do in my practice. I think it's very true (laughs) because I've discovered that too, even um, in in my music that I'm finding now because of the energies that I bring in and and the energies that I'm putting out when I'm playing. Um, I play, you know, very, uh, you know, intense music. But I don't play angry music. My music comes from a, a, a very emotional ba- sound, very emotional based. That's it's hard to explain, but it's almost coming from a feminine energy of, of love. Um, you go way out and sit on the edge of the black, my dear, and you yeah. you just play what you hear. Yeah, and I'm, that's the energy I'm pulling out. It's this, it's, this, it's this beautiful energy I'm pulling out. And it's hard, it's hard to express, but sometimes I almost feel like I'm on the verge of crying when I'm playing this really intense metal music. Sure. <laughs> it's not really metal, but it's this powerful music, you know? Powerful, potent. Powerful, well, yeah. Passionate, maybe. Passionate, And so the passionate. passion is coming through. Very passionate, very emotional, yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you know, so I, I, I'd like to just share something that really works for, sorry, a tel- telepathy kind of a thing, is you look in somebody's eye, especially their left eye, and you breathe in and out same time they do, and you keep looking in their left eye until you feel your consciousness merge with them, like you can feel like you're one person. So then what you can 
do anything to, to know what's going on. You just put yourself behind their eyes and what is, and you can feel what it's like to be and think like them. That's, and you start doing that and she, uh, it's just amazing because you can do that with each other. So that's, that's a good way to start too. That's wonderful. Thank you for reminding me of that. I had forgotten that exercise, Sasha. There's a similar one that I was taught and that is, to drop down into alpha state, one way to do it is an open-eyed, simply get a partner, and you do nothing but look into each other's eyes and don't look away. Right. And sometimes you will see their faces morph or appear to morph as you're, you're searching through and, and touching on images around them and all those different lifetimes. And you're right. If you can put yourself within them, if they give you permission, the two of you have to give each other permission to do something like that. But right. if you say, you can be within me, I can be within you, I'm open yeah. to sharing these things. And we do well, so in the most right-minded thing. manner we can. And I would do that yeah. having smudged off and cleared energy first in the room and with themselves. But those kinds of exercises... Um, we are adding to the Gift of Infinite Voice book that's coming out, as well as the hosting a close encounter of the fifth kind event. Uh, uh, CE5. Yeah, CE5 book that we're, we're finishing up now. ET Pajama Party. Yes. Yeah, the subtitle is, or how to have an <laughs> ET Pajama Party. That's absolutely right. So, <laughs> All right. <laughs> So one of the interesting things Are we that happens <laughs> if you're contemplating another person and you just keep looking at their face, at some point their face will turn into yours and you'll realize that uh, they're, they're, they are you and you are them. Correct. Yes, I've seen that as well. And yes, it's a fabulous exercise and very simple to do. Very, very good. Thank you. I appreciate the reminder on that one. <laughs> So what are you doing the CE5 is it a uh, an event? Okay, so what we're what we're finishing up right now is the book based on our experience and CE5 experience that Twitter followers have relayed to us. Um, we're working with Karen Brown in Florida. Uh, Karen was uh, one of the, the three-member team that started the first trial beta version of the, the quote, uh, E.T. Pajama Party. And she's a very good writer and a very good help with uh, back-and-forth work. So she and Otter and I have pooled our resources and have been writing a manual on if you want to have and host your own close encounter of the fifth kind event, what do you need to do? Whether it's large or small, whether it's, you know, 100 people on a hillside and private rural land, or whether it's three people sitting in camp chairs looking out somebody's open garage door at the sky. Oh, I love what, it. It's wonderful. What, what do you need thing. to do? Right. What do you need to do? What do you need to consider? 
how, wh- what kind of things can happen, what kind of things have we experienced, okay? What do you need to have your guests bring? You know, do you need liability insurance? They can make it for the zombie apocalypse. Maybe they can make it for CE5 events. I don't know. So we, <laughs> we walk people through everything that we can think of. The good, the bad, the... And we even have an entire chapter on what happens if one of your group reports missing time. Missing time. Mm. Okay. Right. Yeah. What do you do? How do you, what can you expect? They're going to go into overwhelm. What do you need to be prepared for? If this happens in a group of 100 people, then what do you do? Okay. So there's a lot of things that we cover. And it's everything from one thing we highly encourage is what we call meet ET role-playing. So you pick a member of your your uh, ET pajama party attendees, and they get to play a Star Nation person of their choice. And you give them a scenario that they're coming to meet, and this is how they present themselves, and how do the attendees impromptu, what do they do when they meet a Zeta? What do they do if Sasquatch roars from the woods? What do they do if a three-foot dimensional portal opens up on the ground 10 feet in front of them and a hand comes through and waves at them? Okay, so walk through E.T., meet E.T. role play. (laughs) What it does, honestly, is it gets people to interact in a charades almost kind of format, meet each other, laugh, have fun, but also think through as a group, what if this was me? What if the Zeta was approaching me? What if I saw this dimensional portal open up on the ground and somebody crawl through it? What would I do? How would I act? How should I act? How do I know if it's bad or threatening? How do I know if it's okay? Do I say something? Do I wave? Do I shake hands? Do I hug them? What do I do? Okay. And so we tell people all of the experiences that we can think of that they might run into. And, and it's, the list goes on and on. But it gives them an idea of if I'm going to do this, boy, maybe I'm facing more than I thought, and am I really ready for this? Because Mm. if you host an event, you're responsible for the physical, emotional, and spiritual safety of everybody who comes to your event, okay? You take responsibility. Are you doing workshops with this? Are you putting it, are you actually doing it? We will be. Wow. Um, that's, That's the goal. That's one of the things we want to teach people the right-minded manner that we were taught of soft contact and how to invite the Star Nation down to say, hey, would you like to come down and chat? We'd love to meet. 
And so it's a manner of opening up or attempting to open up dialogue initiated by us in a right-minded way, following the guidelines that, that we've been given. All right. Hold that oh. up. We'll be I will. back in five minutes. We have to take a commercial break. See you in a few. Everything was just ever so slightly askew. Do you have, to paraphrase Morpheus, a splinter in your mind? If you're interested in hearing the latest information about UFOs, the paranormal, ancient cultures and structures, monatomic elements, longevity, fantastic discoveries in science, download it to your brain, then tune in to us. Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Mackie. And we are Shiny Side Out, Sundays 2 to 4 a.m. Eastern. See you then. Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. Join me weekdays for my new show, Tell Chris Joe. It's going to be a problem show brought to you live from Kensington. Thursdays, I'm dealing with hot topics, heated debate, what's new around the world, and ring-ins to discuss listeners' problems and offering considered and heartfelt solutions. So join me, Chris Hart, for Tell Chris Joe. Stop what you're doing, grab a cup of tea and coming live from Kensington. Relax, let me entertain you with a coffee bar online. Listeners, very personal problems. So that's Thursdays, 2 p.m. in the afternoon, Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. See you there. It's going to be lots of fun. Is your data safe? Do you have the necessary information to assist you in confidently living through just about any survival situation? Is survival and gardening, off-grid living, medical knowledge, or even natural or man-made EMPs on your list of personal concerns? Do you have your documents and your personal information in a safe place in your hands where you know where it is? Well, check out our preloaded EMP-proof thumb drive. Over 3 gigs of survival documents and how-tos, plus the USDA offline food preservation website, and much, much more, including a surprise bonus we just can't tell you about here. With plenty of room left over to store your most important documents. Imagine if a mega virus or a computer failure took out your bank, or all the banks for that matter. Are your banking records safe in your hands so when they get things fixed and repaired, you can say, hey, look, this is what I had. You have it. I want it back. Is your personal data safe? 
family records, addresses, phone numbers, well, squeeze on over to freedomslips.com. Yes, that's www.freedomslips.com. Click the banner on the homepage for the EMP-proof bullet drive to get the full scoop of everything that we offer. So, folks, keep your data safe for your peace of mind. Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. Looking for a nightcap to fill your listening needs? Come join us on Spaced Out Radio with me, Dave Scott, right here on Revolution Radio. Monday through Friday for three hours a night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, we will take you down the supernatural path. From ET contact to the paranormal and all of the spiritual, cryptid, and conspiracy stories in between, you can find us right here on Revolution Radio at spacedoutradio.com, on Twitter at spacedoutradio, and on Facebook at spacedoutradio show. Spaced Out Radio, it's a night of talk and interaction. Are you experienced? The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host. Aloha and welcome back to Stargate to the Cosmos on Revolution Radio. And we have a, a gang here today. We have our guests, Sue Walker and Reverend White Otter. Um, we have myself, Janet Carol Lesson. We have Dr. Sasha Alec Lesson. We have Kevin Estrella. <laughs> and we have our producer, Thomas Becker. We're having a, a great party here. We're going to do a CE5 one of these days soon, right on air. We're going to look outside the door, and there'll be ships operating above everybody's head. But wait a minute, here. wait a minute. I want the invitation to Hawaii. <laughs> oh, we're working on that. We'll tell you that. I got to do a commercial, then we'll come back to. But uh, we're going to talk about uh, that and what's happening in Albuquerque. But in one minute here, I've got to finish our commercial. We want to remind everybody that... Uh, we need your donations to, you know, bring these wonderful shows to you uh, here at the Revolution Radio. So please go over to the donation button and make your donation by 10, 15, 20, whatever you can afford. We really appreciate it. Your donations are what keep us alive here. A mad painter, Thomas Becker. What is? Where are we in the process? Uh, we seem to be we seem to be stagnated. We're still at thirteen fifty three, oh. and that's what we were Saturday. Here it is Tuesday, oh and we need twenty seven hundred. That's two days with not even two dollar donation. That's pretty sad. Oh, come on, people! Come on, people! Get one less cup of coffee. Get the Starbucks and give us that five bucks instead. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, let's see if they um. Respond to the call here. So, uh, and we'll send we'll send an ET to you. <laughs> yeah, we'll send ra- radar over. He'll give you a raspberry in your ear. <laughs> yes, radar. Give you a raspberry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beware. All right. So, um, 
we're ready to do part two. And I just wanted to say, yeah, I did the same thing when I was a kid. I used to have all my friends come out and sleep out. But I always had, you know, if they didn't want to come, they'd say, oh, I'm busy. But if they wanted to come, they were there and they seemed to be ready. But, yeah, it'd be great to do that. We're, Sasha and I are highly trained in working with people that get destabilized and upset. And we do regressions and, you know, therapy and we work with people, we do shamanistic things, and we always work with people that get down to their core and they do soul retrieval. And they, we use that opportunity to help them work through whatever's going on, their fears and sure. uh, separation and all that stuff. So we, you know, sign us up. We'll, we'll, we'll do it with you. If you yeah, want you, you sound like what we do, so I understand. You know, as a couple, we talk yeah. the same language. We do. And... Uh, we're doing, uh, I'll just do a little commercial break for us, too. We're doing Stargate to the Cosmos Conference in Albuquerque the last weekend of October, the 26th through 28th of 2018. And Sue and Kevin and uh, White Otter, Reverend White Otter, you're all welcome to come on over there. We'll talk about what you can present, the workshops, and all that good stuff. Um, okay. So I sent you an application uh, if you didn't get it, uh, let me know. I'll send you the link again. But we're we're going to blow the lid off this thing and uh, develop our own disclosure. So maybe uh, maybe the gag will come over. You don't know. know. Uh, sometimes down, what they everybody. do, you just don't know. <laughs> well, let's well, go ahead and send me that link again. I will after the we'll show. We'll get that yeah. application filled out. But when I was in uh, UFO Congress in Scottsdale uh, three years back, um, yeah, I got up to go to the bathroom and there was uh, my buddy. I, I didn't have names for my um, aliens. They were just, I just knew them on a soul level, right? Mm -hmm. All the way down to source. And he was hovering right in my bedroom there, right above Sasha's bed. And, uh, you know, Sasha didn't blink an eye, but I had a full on dialogue with him. and. I was surprised that he showed up there. So you never know. Sometimes uh, we do get people, sh uh, beings, showing up at our conferences. So I'd love it if the Sandia ETs would come on over to the conference. So Well, they, okay. they like to meet their friends. And when Kevin came to our home in December, Radar got oh. all excited and, and showed up. It was awesome. Oh, Kevin, tell us about us. How did, what did oh. he do? Well, so like, um, so um, Sue and Otter have this L-shaped couch, right? And I was sitting with my, uh, on my right-hand side was the, the, the glass to the backyard facing the Sandia Mountain, and, and Sue's facing me, and to my, to my left, there's like an ottoman chair about maybe 10 feet away from me. And I'm just talking to Sue and Otter, and I catch out of the corner of my left eye, in the shadow, like in my peripheral vision, like some movement, and I and I go and look, and at the same time, Sue is looking at the opposite direction, um, at at the at the glass um, on my right hand side, because she was able to she saw the movement too, you know, from the opposite sides. So we were looking in the same area of the of the of the of the room, right? And so we just kind of we both mm -hmm. just kind of glance like that, and then we just keep chatting away, and then it, it happened again, and then we look, and we both do the same thing, and I say. Is there somebody here? <laughs> Otter pipes up. <laughs> Radar's been here for half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and and the funny thing was, Kevin saw him in his direct but 
peripheral vision. And I saw him in the reflection in the glass window, uh, the, the living room big glass window that we have that faces the mountain. And so I was looking at the reflection of the same spot in the living room that Kevin was staring at, but I was seeing it in the angle reflection of the window, which is what allowed me to catch him with a lot easier view. Yeah, and that's uh-huh. what I knew if it was real because she and I instantaneously looked. I was looking to the left and she was looking to the right because we were seeing the same corner of the room instantaneously in at the same time. Yeah, twice, twice within twice. what? A couple of seconds, yeah. a couple of minutes. I, it wasn't very it was long. Like, it was like one like one or two minutes with the same mm-hmm. thing happening. We both did that same double look. Mm-hmm. So, Radar, why didn't you come out and talk? <laughs> what are you hiding in the shadows about? <laughs> Just come on well, out he's and have got a, a man conversation. Is, well, that wasn't, that wasn't the only thing that he did. Because I, I went out to... Uh, to get the uh, uh-huh. camper, the camper set up because uh, Katarina and I were staying out in the camper, and so um, I'm, I'm out there by myself and I'm you know loading a suitcase, and then all of a sudden the camper starts slowly rocking, and I'm like, I'm, I'm staying still, going, what the heck is going on here? Is it is it me? No, wait, this thing moved on its own, and then it, and then it finally stopped. <laughs> yeah, it was the next day. <laughs> It was the next day. I, I, I tweeted out to uh, to you know to to, uh, to Sandy saying thank you so much for the wonderful visit. And yes, radar, I saw you in my peripheral vision. And by the way, was that you rocking the camper? And this tweet came back immediately saying, "Well, <laughs> I may have had a little hairy help." It was his oh, friend. No. <laughs> it was his Sasquatch friend Kie. He was the one who was rocking the trailer. Wow! Oh my God! Well, I can't wait till we actually sit down across from each other and have a cup of tea. Oh, that uh, I've had some of this cryptic contact, but I've had contact with a, uh, uh, just in the last six months, uh, one came into my, right beside my bed, towards the head of the bed, you know, right, right beside me, but on my husband's side of the bed. And we had a conversation, you know, full on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was standing there. Full mm-hmm. on. Yep. Um, so that must be, I must be getting relaxed at having contact because you must be. to contact me. Yeah. It was last so month. The more relaxed you get. Yeah, yes. Get it was last mm-hmm. month to, to, to tell you how relaxed we've become. I got up in the middle of the night. It must have been 1.30 in the morning. Oh, yeah. I was I walking down it. the hallway toward the kitchen to just go get a glass of water. And there was somebody standing about three foot tall, hugging the brick wall. As I rounded the corner, I realized it was one of the the Zeta gang and it was Sarah and she wasn't invisible at all. And I, I passed her by and in my sleepiness, I said, Oh, hi, Sarah. I'm sorry. Cause I brushed by her. I didn't see you there. I'm just going to go get a glass of water. And then by the time I came back, she had gone invisible. I think she got embarrassed that I'd spotted her. But but she was full on just standing there. <laughs> and I just brushed by her and just treated it like she was one of my kids. 
<laughs> I didn't. I wasn't scared. I didn't stop to talk to her. It was just, oh, hi, Sarah. Sorry I didn't see you there. And so that's how relaxed we've become. Well, tell her, tell, tell her the story you told me about the, the lady with the presentation. The lady with which one? Which story? The presentation. The Isn't one who did the presentation, and then there, and then, um, and then somebody had disapproval to it. Oh, you mean the one in my living room? Yeah. Okay, so I was sitting here with a gal, and she was trying to sell us something, and I was trying to be nice, okay. but we were ready for her to leave, okay? And, <laughs> and it, was, it was toward the end of her presentation, and she, was, she had just gotten up off the couch and gathered some of her things, and I was still sitting there kind of pulling myself together, and one of, one of the... Santia Mountain Crew must have been in the room because the next thing I know, there is an absolute raspberry <laughs> right in my ear, so close <laughs> that you have to wipe away a little spittle. And and I oh realized instantly where it had come from and why. And I just clapped my hand over my mouth. <laughs> it had to be quiet because she was still there. And, I, and then it came again. It, it actually did come a second time, but not quite as close as the first time. <laughs> oh my so you just don't know what they're going to do. People say, well, Zetas don't talk. Well, no, they don't normally talk. Can they vocalize? If they really try, they just, they just are out of practice. Okay. So you really don't want to ask uh, somebody from Zeta Reticuli to, to sing. However, <laughs> that doesn't mean that they cannot whisper. Or make other mouth sounds, whistles, uh-huh. and you know, even the the two fingered piercing whistle. Oh, can they wolf whistle? You bet they can. Okay, so they can make any mouth sound like like you and I can. Uh-huh. All right, so if it's a mouth sound that doesn't require vocal cords, they can do it. So so. If somebody whispers in your ear, you just have to ask, who is this? Instead of getting freaked out. Who's so how do they go invisible? That's a good question. You said she was invisible. How do they go invisible? They're right you there. Know, but they can I honestly you know? do not ask them their technology questions. We uh-huh. have avoided asking them technology and details like that. And just wait for the, it to come out in conversation, to be honest. Actually, they have uh-huh. a degree, remember? Well, with the UMO on technical information. Well, that's true. Now, there's a possibility. Okay. So, here's the deal. The UMO, which is the nation that's very, very well known in, in France and Spain and most of Europe. And the Ponti know each other, of course. And so it, I'd have to go back and get the date, but Tilcom, a year ago, yeah, sometime a year ago, wrote to uh, AOIO, which is the name of one of the UMO, and said, We are all trying to get ready for official first contact, but I tell you what, I think we would be better served if we pass the scientific and technical 
issues to you so that you can better explain them. That gives us a chance to work on the cultural aspect, the telepathy, and increase the communication and the networking of all these right-minded people so that we lay a groundwork for soft communication and then stronger communication where people are unafraid. And the UMO wrote back and said, that sounds like good, essentially a good idea. Um, it, it wasn't spoken that way. I'd have to come go back and, and see exactly how AOIO phrased it because the UMO talk very differently than the Ponte. However, uh-huh. um, the UMO have acknowledged publicly in France that they are aware of not only the Ponte, but where their facility is located and have acknowledged publicly that, yes, they are answering the scientific questions and uh, passing all of the cultural questions to the Ponte and other star nations who are agreeing to join in the sharing of star nation information in preparation for official first contact. Wow. This is, you know, you, uh, you need to do week-long workshops or at least weekend workshops. This is wonderful for a group of people to have direct uh, contact through and be ready for it by the role playing that you uh, have built right into your program, so that we can really uh, claim a, a, a partnership with the extraterrestrials or interterrestrials uh, and feel good about ourselves and about the contact. Well, the the whole situation of meeting somebody who's not from here or not from this dimension is you have to be able to face your fears. Okay? That's the biggest thing that that they're facing planet-wide in official first contact is everybody has to figure out how to deal with their fears. And when you stand there and have somebody approach you who doesn't look like you, you have to be able to be willing to stand your ground because you're a cultural explorer and you don't know what you're getting yourself into yet. And so you have to be able to be brave and assess the situation so how do you, and how reach do you out. Work with people so they, so they stifle their fight or flight basic, uh, you know, gut reflex. You, you change your flight to determination and intent I am here because I want to do this. I'm here, and I know that I'm going to have a startle response, and I, I might be scared, and I might tremble a little bit. And if I do, I'm going to take the hand of the person next to me, and we're going to do this together. And then you try as best you can to assess the situation. You don't approach them. You allow a star nation to approach you. Very simple. Stand your ground. Stay there. Keep an open posture so that you are non-threatening. Keep your hands open. And don't thrust your hand out to shake hands with somebody because you don't know if you can touch that nation safely yet. So what you do instead is you just take both open hands and you put them together with your finger points up over your heart area. All right. 
Uh-huh. So you, you're symbolizing, I have no weapon, I am open, I am non-threatening, and we are coming together. And then you take your two hands and you form a small bowl with both hands, like you would fill water with to drink out of. And you very gently offer that bowl toward your star nation visitor. That's the gesture. That's the universal gesture of I am open and I have something for you. I have something to give you. And that is also the non-threatening gesture of, and then you can take that same bowl still formed by your two hands and very slowly indicate a place for them to sit and come to, and then open your hands and back away from that place so that they can approach without feeling like you're right on top of them. Does that make sense? Right. Okay. Yes. So you're trying to open up a dialogue. You're trying to open up interaction. But you're also assessing, are their gestures non-threatening? Is there telepathy? And you do reach out telepathically simultaneous to doing all this. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Please come sit and be welcome with us. Okay, that's your gesture. And that's your telepathic welcome. You don't know who they are. You don't demand their name yet. Your first, your first goal is to help them get over their fears of coming and approaching you for the first time, too. Okay, they're just people, guys. Some of them are trainees, and this is the first time they've ever been here. And they don't know how to interact with us. We've had interactions with CE5 stuff where the Star Nation person showed up and was way too close and way too loud, telepathically, and scared. Well, I had that happen to me last Sunday. Okay, and just startled them. And it's like, ah! Because they didn't know personal bubble space. Okay, and we always suggest if a star nation gets too close, the usual personal bubble space for any person, any nation, anywhere, is about their body length. Okay, if it's closer person, half the body length or even closer than that, but... Typically, if you want to deal with a star nation person, be about a body length away. And if they want you closer than that, they'll indicate that to you. But it's a good place to start. So it's these kinds of just general rules of thumb. What do you do? How do you do it? How do you react? That's that's what's going into our hosting a close encounter of the fifth kind event book. Can I share so my that everybody's story? got Oops. something to go back yes. to and reference. Yeah, can I share my story? What happened last week? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, exactly sure. what happened. Okay, yeah. So, like, um, um, I haven't even had. Well, I think I we've already talked about the fact that I had a visitation from Sandia two two week two uh, two Wednesdays ago, and they did some some things to me and they gave me an enhancement. They gave me an upgrade. And my head's been clearing and clearing and clearing. And so last Sunday, I decided to, I, I wanted, it was my goal to finish the telepathy 101 primer. 
And I did that and, you know, focused, worked on really on the last half of the book, which really focuses on, you know, focusing on your amygdala and your pineal gland and communicating on, a, on an emotional wavelength. And then I did the, the you know, the telepathic um, hello to, you know, any star nations who happen to be listening and that I would like contact. And then I went to bed. And then it was around maybe three o'clock in the morning. I, I had a restless night, but I woke up and then I'm trying to go back to sleep. And my eyes are closed, and I'm just halfway between sleep and awake. And then all of a sudden, my my eyes are still closed. And then about two feet in front of my face starts to appear this Zeta face. Now, I'm not saying that this was in my mind's eye. This was literally, I was seeing them with my eyes, like it was being projected in front of my face with when my eyes were closed. It was kind of like, um, you know, the movie, the matrix, that kind of green looking, you know, you know code going down. That's mm-hmm. kind of what it looked mm-hmm. like, but pitch, picture more of those uh, three dimensional posters that, uh, that you used to see back in the nineties, where if you crossed your eyes, you could see a three dimensional shape. That's exactly what I saw when my eyes were closed. I saw a three dimensional face all of a sudden appear and I just went, Whoa. And I literally, fell backwards i fell out of bed and landed behind my bed i was just completely blown away it startled me um i was amazed and uh-huh. i was just like what the heck oh my god what an experience oh well it's those kinds of things the first time it happens to you boy you just can't go back to sleep that's what, that's what happened. Thing. I felt so bad. It's like, please come back. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to act that I'm way. sorry. I didn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, all right. And you probably scared the you-know-what out of them, too. Okay? It was like the movie E.T. Because of your reaction. <laughs> Either that or Raider was just messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always the case. <laughs> always a possibility with you. Always. All right. So... <laughs> So the artwork that you do, I I wanted to ask you about the artwork that you do, because you catch their personalities, like Radar seems to be like a major character. Oh, dear Um, God. (laughs) That would be a yes. How do you do do the artwork? What's your... All right, so I actually ask each individual how they want to be portrayed. And I ask the, the... feel the vibe the emotion and the intent that they want their portrait to have and that's their choice and then we review different kinds or ideas of we could pose you this way with this light or do this or do that and come up with a decision and sometimes I'll try a few things and go you know it's just, I'm not feeling it it's not clicking And then there are other times where I'll sit in the studio and draw for hours and Otter will have to come find me (laughs) because I have gone timeless because they are guiding my hands. All right. Mm -hmm. So they are assisting with some of the detail of this so that the the lifelikeness, the humanity comes out much stronger. Drudy specifically asked for a scarf to be on her head. 
She loves silk scarves. Yeah. It is her. It is what she normally wears. But she asked for it because she knew that in many parts of the world, holy women and women who walked a spiritual path covered their heads. And she wanted to show them that she, un- that, that she was also a spiritual woman. Uh, Radar, oh, after Radar first visited Kevin, and I think, Kevin, it was a visit you didn't know about. Radar came back, and when, when I needed to redo his original sketch with his, you know, Radar ball cap on, um, he wanted his portrait done with him learning to play the guitar. That was it. That was the only thing he wanted out of that is please dress me and make me look cool. And, and I want, I, 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 I want to be like Kevin. Basically that Aww. was the kind of thing, the vibe that, that Aww. he wanted his portrait to have. This, I'm not making this up. So that's why you got radar playing the guitar. Teal'cum thought that it would reach the demographic that much easier Okay, if his portrait had him doing something that uh, that generation could vibe with, all right. Teeny wanted hers to be thoughtful, and she said, "Okay, you can really show my age if you really need to." I guess. So you can see the wrinkles. You can see the lines. Tilkum wanted the the he. We we looked through many hand gestures that earth humans would understand as thoughtful, pensive, maybe a little worried, maybe a little amused, it's hard to tell. And that's what he asked his portrait to portray. And so if you look at Tilcom's portrait, his eyes are closed, his hands on his forehead, and, that's and, and yet you, you just, you know... You know that Radar has pulled another stunt and he's shaking his head back and forth going, now what am I going to do? <laughs> and so that was how Tilcom asked for his portrait to be portrayed. I asked Grayson how he wanted his portrait done. And he said, can you show me walking away from the back? <laughs> he didn't want to at all. And it was, it was just, Radar, Grayson is this combination of James Dean and Shakespeare all rolled into one. It's a really, really strange, deep, quiet, cool guy. He's very handsome. Handsome young man who has this depth and poetry to him that only comes out in really strange ways in unusual times. And you'll see grace and twist words in ways that I've never seen. There is something inside that man. And so his was, yeah, if you gotta draw me quick, okay. And that's, that's the look I got. Okay. So that was how all of these portraits came about there. The, the, all of the originals are, Oh, about poster size. And mm-hmm. about half of them have gone and been gifted to people around the world who have assisted the Sandia crew with translation of the primer or a donation to, to the Infinite Voice Project PayPal account or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, they gift back in all kinds of ways that you don't know. And some, sometimes the gift back is a personal visit. 
I but, have one right behind me right now of Judy with a with her um, with her scarf. It's in the center of my bedroom. Center oh of my yes, room. right. That was one of the sketches. That was one of the first trial sketches that uh, we yeah. were going to throw away. Yeah, and I say hello to her oh. every night when I come home. <laughs> so oh, that's sketches, and uh, we're we're looking for. Um, Fair trade organic cotton um, uh, dyes that are good for the planet. Uh, T-shirt manufacturers to see if oh. we can get some of these new images on uh, things that uh, help the planet and and our people. Yes. So that search of of um, linking right mindedness. With all of this, right. with official first contact, is is part of that plan, and why why they they really are stressing doing that. So, Sue, could you call them in right now and have them talk to, uh, to us through you? Yeah, there's a few of them over there. Either Otter or, or either one doesn't matter. <laughs> we both hear them. What do you want to know? Who's over on the desk? Janet, what would you like to know, honey? Oh, sure. Oh, back at me. Okay. <laughs> what do I want to know? How can we have a planet of um, peace? We have a planet of peace. How can we yeah, do it? How can I, I mean, Sonner. Go ahead. You ask your question. That, so, what can we, we do to, to balance out this crazy planet, uh, guys? Because, you know, it's just, it's going crazy bonkers here. I know it's always been crazy. I came in. In 1954 and World War II, it just ended. And you think back, it's like uh, we had a war that took the whole planet. It just, I'm not from this planet, and it's, it, this place is just so bizarre. But even with all the standards of bizarreness we've had over the last 50, 60 years, it just seems totally whacked out now. And what can we do to balance this planet, to create a planet of peace um, in time for it to not blow up or? I just saw um, this morning they had to put down the fat, the last adult male white rhino in the world. Male. Uh, he's dead. They had to put him down. He was 45 years old. So this is sad. This is a species. They have two left. They got his, his DNA and stuff. Like they're going to try to artificially inseminate uh, the, his daughter and, and the last remaining. There's two remaining white rhino rhinoceroses in the entire world. Oh, come on, guys. What can we do? Come on. We really need help. This is bizarre. Who would like to answer? You want to talk for PETA? Hmm? You want to ask PETA to answer that? Okay. Well, I can tell you Sarah and PETA are, are over on the desk right now, and I don't know who's who all else is still coming in. But uh, we'll we'll see who else um, they can drag into the the room to answer. Um, hang on. She says you're making things too complicated. You have to keep this much simpler and treat other people just the way you want to be treated. If you were thirsty, would you want somebody to give you a drink? If you were hungry, would you want somebody to offer you something or part of what they had? 
if you treat other people, no matter where they're from, the way you want to be treated, not the way they might be treating you, the way you want to be treated. And then the other thing is, we find it very important to look into people's eyes before we make a big decision that's going to affect their lives. And we don't know why you don't do that. Because you have to see what's going to go on inside of them and that ripple before you make your decision, don't you? Sometimes your world gets really confusing with the environment. You've got changes coming that are pretty awful and you're going to have to work together with each other and that means you're going to need all kinds of people but you live in little square houses where you don't go meet each other anymore you don't do things together you don't play together and that playing together eating together working together helping each other instead of sitting in little square houses is isolating you so you don't know who can help you with what and who you can help. And if you're going to survive all the changes coming, you need to know your neighbors, guys. And that means star neighbors as well as earth human neighbors because this is something we're going to all have to do together keep it simple yeah I think that'll work Sarah okay does that Sarah. help wow, wow. That, that was, just, that was yeah. very much like Teeny, what Teeny said yeah, Sarah's got a depth to her Sarah's heritage is a blended Zeta hybrid nation, not Earth human Zeta, but Zeta Zeta hybrid. And her whole family line married genetics specifically so that nations could interact more easily with each other. So her diplomacy is very strong in her family line and her understanding of how to talk to people and get it down to the simple course is really yeah. strong. She's studied official first contacts on many worlds, and so she is their historic official first contact expert. Well, Sarah, we really hear you and totally appreciate and take to heart uh, the wisdom that you convey to us. Uh, thank you so much. She's I have not a question. A, yeah. Um, do we really have to go through apocalypso? I, it's to me what I'm getting from my contacts, which are many different species, is that that's not set in stone. It's more like an agenda of propaganda that's been uh, hoisted upon us since the dawn of time to, you know, think that that's the only option and actually co-create it because we think that's the only option. It's, it's, it comes like a 
religious cultural program, you know, around like revelations and all these uh, beliefs that we have to go through Apocalypse. And I've seen timelines because I was uh, shown 24 timelines and there are some timelines, some realities, potential future histories that uh, totally avoid any kind of uh, Apocalypse. It's just... uh, you know, it's kind of like different births. You have some people that are born and there's no pain at all, and some people that are born it takes them three days to come out. You know, <laughs> extreme right. hardship. Um, so I see us being born into this new culture uh, with great ease, like a like a beautiful water birth. You know, no pain whatsoever. I guess uh, if, uh, Troy on Star Trek: Next Generation, she had a birth that went no pain. That's what I see happening. Uh, is that, from your perspective, something that is in the realm well, of possibility all right. that so we can really, do this? You're talking about two different factors here, Janet. You're talking about both the earth changes portion, which is already in progress, and we're seeing the extreme weather changes. And then you're also talking about the birth of us meeting our Star Nation family and them meeting us and us realizing that we're not the biggest, baddest cats in this part of the galaxy anymore, okay? So what mm-hmm. what we have going on also is a situation where you have an Earth human population who is not telepathic, and so they rely on media communication and talking to each other, okay? That's the primary means of communication is verbal. And... They rely on what they get on television now in, instead of each other so much. But all of them are going to have to face their fear in some fashion, just like the people who voluntarily host a CE5 event. And so the goal mm-hmm. is between now and official first contact to educate enough people that they don't have to be afraid that they can conquer their fears and and actually meet these people and watch other people do it so that and hear about other people's experiences so that they go well maybe I could do or maybe I can put my fear down does that make sense oh it makes beautiful sense I want to come to your workshop We'll talk you through it. And I, the, the unfortunate part of all of this is if we had an opportunity on the heels of you guys coming to Albuquerque, we'd hold a big weekend workshop kind of thing. Unfortunately, um, we are probably going to be on a plane to Geneva, Switzerland to host oh, CE5 events in the Alps. So yeah, that's not unfortunate. Yeah, that's not going to so, be a good thing, <laughs> right? So, but, so but if our, that happens to fall through, let me know, because um, Stuart Swerdlow wants to do after the event, like a two-day tour out into uh, the different uh, things there, like Roswell. Oh, and, and we uh, should. Uh, I don't know. Talk about energetic places that. Uh, yeah. Uh, might be very interesting. New Mexico is unlike any most states that I travel through. In the desert southwest, you can turn a corner and get an entirely different era and epoch. 
whether it's volcanic or flood or uplift or mesa or whatever it is. And honest to goodness, if you're sensitive enough and you've practiced your telepathy enough, every place you turn and there's a facility nearby, you can pick up on something's going on here. Whoa, what was that? And then you'll learn to telepathically probe and ping gently, politely, and say, hi, my name is so-and-so. I happen to be passing by and wanted to say hello. And as I've done that around this state, ha, 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 ha. The voices, the responses that come back, it's everything from, who the hell are you, to, to oh, hi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. Right. So, so, so that's also... Yeah, so that's all possible. Uh, is this Geneva thing set in stone, or are they open with their dates? No. That's cold. Um, it's pretty set October, in stone. October, you're going to be yeah. cold. Yes, it's that's pretty set in be, stone. That's going to be pretty no, cold there, right? From, there's it's a, a week-long festival. Yeah, there's a very, Geneva. very large Geneva festival, and we're hoping uh-huh. to sit there and then afterwards go to private property and... Uh, host a, a, a CE5 pajama party in the Alps. Nice. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, nice. it'll be It'll be all perfect, whatever happens. Is yep, it'll work. Be, so it'll work. It'll work. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> I, I had a question for, uh, I had a question for someone. Who Who's there right now? Peter. Peter? Sarah. Okay. Here's the question. Um, why is it that the human race is so disconnected from telepathy, almost like it's been deprogrammed out of us purposely. And and is it have is, is there any connection between with the enhancement that they did to me and the clearing out of certain things in my in my brain to bring back that telepathy? Is there like a has there been a, an agenda to keep human beings poisoned with certain chemicals in order to suppress that telepathy? Boy, I don't know if I have the answer to, is there an agenda? That portion gets into the the conspiracy theory and all of that that I am not well read in at all and really cannot comment on. But what I can tell you is a couple of things. Um, hang on, I'm, I'm asking Peter what he wants to to say about all of this. There are some people that we visit that have that higher potential to walk in balance in an unafraid manner that have that right-mindedness and that maturity that we become friends with and naturally as you become friends with anyone want to see them do better. When you talk with us and we talk with you, the more interaction telepathically you have with any right-minded star nation, the more it... Hang on, translation problem. He's showing me an image of opening up um, 
uh, ability in a broader, brighter sense and a clearer sense because it's almost like, and then the analogy that he's giving me is if I have an old pipe and it's had dirt and mud clogged in the middle of it and I just slowly trickle some water through that pipe, slowly but surely, I'll dissolve whatever mud and clogs and dirt are in there. And if I slowly turn it up and add a little bit more water and a little bit more water, then pretty soon the pipe is, is running full bore and clear, right? And and what you're what you're going through, Kevin, Peter says is like that. Because you're doing more with that part of your brain and that part of your whole being, persona, personality, soul, spirit, whatever word you want to use, all of the above. You're working and combining those in walking that every day, and that's what clears you out and brings the energy level back up because now you're being you. Mm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so as you do more telepathy, you clear out and you figure out who you are a lot easier. Well, I can't tell them how thankful and how grateful I am for the gift they gave me. Well, you're, it's you and, and it's everybody else that's listening that's been practicing their telepathy. I think... I think all of you, I think all of the students of the Telepathy 101 course would likely agree that they found changes within themselves that they didn't expect. They expected to hear E.T.'s voice. And instead, they got interior changes because telepathy is an inside job, guys. Thank you, White Otter, for the quote. <laughs> We've got just a little time left. Is there topics we haven't touched on, guys? Well, I, I wanted to hear a little bit more from White Otter. What would you like to tell us? Oh, golly. White Otter stories. Are you sure? <laughs> some wisdom because, uh, well, he's been kind of quiet. Asshole I like to give very able <laughs> All right, so he's trying to hear you, and so what? I'm going to repeat it because Otter has hearing loss um, from a few uh -huh. explosions that he went through um, a yes. few decades back. So what she's asking for is a story, a CE5 story, or a mm -hmm. telepathy connection story, or one of the radar stories, or whatever you want to to oh. tell him about. Well, let's see. I, Lean closer I'm to the not, microphone. Not sure my own horn. Well, you but, just you toot somebody uh, else's if you want to, but talk. But uh, no, <laughs> it was interesting. You brought up the topic about the the white rhino, because it's just another. That's another slap in man's face for not respecting what was given to him on this earth. Yes. Uh, which is one of the things about uh, the whole telepathy program and that was set up with the idea and with the foundation of helping man on earth move back or gain 
a level zero humanitarian rating in the star nation. Yeah, an advanced civilization level zero. Yep, advanced level civilization. Right. That's when every man, woman, child in the world, it basically every living thing is taken care of and respected and honored. You treat people which is what, with human, human what kindness. part of all of this is all about. That's why we started the telepathy program to begin with, to begin to get people to come together and share with each other uh, their own insights, their own uh you know, learnings and, and expansions of themselves. The uh, telepathy primer is, will break you down and make you look at yourself in a deeper way than you've ever imagined. And it takes an honest experience to go through that and, sh and shed away some of the, uh, the stigmatisms that block us from from practicing telepathy in our lives. Or being ourselves. Or being ourselves is actually it, too. So, uh, that's kind of where I'm at with some of all of this as far as what it was set up to be for in our agreements with the Ponte is to help man gain that level of, of understanding and, and a relationship to his fellow man. They want us to do good, but they want mm -hmm. us to do good in a good way. Treat other people right. the way you want to be treated and leave your planet better than the way you found it. That's it. It's that simple. That's it. Uh -huh. well, we do only have a few minutes, so I guess everybody, um, I just wanted to know if, if they are saving some of this DNA from species like that that are going extinct. The extinctions will continue. This is Sarah. Because the planet is on course for a large shift change. The migration patterns will change. The food sources will change. The insect populations have also already dramatically dropped. The drought and the weather patterns are shifting. And the increase in the intensity of the storms will continue. You must be ready. The people on your coastlines will deal with flooding and will have to move inland. And you must help them. And you must help prepare handwriting's on the wall if you had to look at the earth and help fix it start planting trees start planting flowers start doing everything you can to attract the insects and the birds back because go meet your neighbor go meet your neighbor go plant a garden go share your extra produce with somebody be a good neighbor and do it with a good heart and a right mind away and your chances of having contact are higher because if you're right-minded that's the kind of people they're seeking for contact for CE5s. We have about one minute. Yeah, yes. thank you so much Sue and Otter for coming on. I really appreciate it so much. You're welcome. Yes, thank you so much. You are very, very welcome. 
so inspired by you two. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're glad to be here and we're glad to teach. It's fun. And how can people reach you? What's your website? My website is, I spell my first name Sue with no E. So it's just S-U. My last name was Walker, W-A-L-K-E-R. And so you just put them together, suewalker.com. The Sandia website is officialfirstcontact.com. Thank you, everybody. Love and blessings and aloha. Aloha. Any commercial advertising you may hear in this program is of the sole discretion and benefit of the host of whose program you are listening to. Revolution Radio does not endorse any commercial products, nor does it accept monetary compensation for on-air advertising of commercial products, nor will it ever. We are and shall remain 100% listener supported. Any product advertising on this program are considered used at higher risk, and Revolution Radio shall not be held liable for any claims or damages received from any product advertised within this program. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. Oscar's freeze. That's your cerebral cortex looking for an answer it doesn't have. See? Even your brain knows you're screwed. can exist is in our thoughts of the future. It is a product of our imagination, causing us to fear things that do not at present and may not ever exist. That is near insanity. And do not misunderstand me. Danger is very real, but fear is a choice. We are all telling ourselves a story. You're listening to Revolution Radio at FreedomSlips.com. 100% listener-supported radio. Reporting.